Welcome to another episode of Camping Out, a podcast about interesting people, stories, adventures, and their impact in the world, usually through the lens of outdoor adventure. I'm Dan Camp, and tonight we're joined at the fire by Connor Moriarty, the founder of Reset Outdoors. Reset Outdoors is on a mission to nurture sustainable well-being in their community by reconnecting people to nature in both therapeutic and team-building settings. In this episode, Connor tells us about his motivation to create Reset Outdoors after experiencing burnout at his previous job, the incredibly powerful ways that humans can connect with themselves and others through nature, and how just 22, you heard it, 22 minutes of exposure to nature every day can have a profound effect on your health. Connor's obvious passion for his mission makes this episode extremely fun. So go ahead and make yourself comfortable, Go grab your preferred fireside beverage and get ready to hear from the one, the only, Connor Moriarty. Welcome to Camping Out. I'm Dan Camp, and tonight we get to chat with Connor Moriarty, the founder and director of Reset Outdoors. Reset Outdoors is on a mission to nurture and grow sustainable well-being in the lives of their clients, themselves, their community, and the environment. By offering counseling services for individuals and families, as well as leadership development for teams and companies, Reset Outdoors is engaging a wide swath of people and showing them the benefits to enjoying a healthy and balanced life. Connor, my man, welcome to Camping Out. Dan, it is a pleasure to be here as I take a sip of uh, beer. So yeah, man, thank you so much for the opportunity. We were, we were laughing earlier because uh, Connor's got a little fireplace going in the background. He's got his plants, <laughs> his ambiance is beautiful. That's the one thing people miss out on with the podcast format is that they don't get a, uh, a true representation of your ambiance, man. Yes, but instead of the visual, they get our lovely melodious voices coming at Silky, them through the, through the interweb. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what, uh, what beer are you drinking tonight? I've got... Uh, so glad you asked me because this is uh this is my most favorite beer i think of all time uh, it's bond place our local bond place which have you been to bethlehem i haven't been yet i know it's on my <sighs> list of things to do um just because i have a lot of lovely people out there but and i'm, well, I'm adding one more tonight yeah no but listen it will be my pleasure to buy you bond places mui their standard pub ale uh which is like, in the words of my grandpa, who is like a second generation Irish and had like a little lilt every once in a while, yeah. mother's milk. That's what you <laughs> say. This is like, it feels so good to drink a mui at the end of a particularly sort of rough day. Um, yeah. During a particularly rough time, if I may go there. I've actually had a mui. I've had Nick a brought you some. Nick Roberts brought me a mui, and we uh, were halfway down the Peshtigo River in kayaks, and we pulled over at this little five foot waterfall, and we uh, we had a mui. We got. I'll send you a picture. I actually have a picture of us drinking. It's pretty fun. Oh, I'd love to see it. You know, Sam at Bond would love to see that too. So yeah, now, I'll shoot it over. Uh, that's that warms my heart. I'm glad. You know, <laughs> you know, you know the love that's in the can it, uh, when you drink a mui. The yeah, I felt like I was being held in the cradle of nature in a, a loving embrace. It was it was the perfect beer for the perfect time with the perfect guy. It was all all beautiful at once. I I, I can feel it. I can feel it in my yes. bones. It sounds like a just a truly wonderful moment in time. 
It was without a doubt. Um, I'm actually drinking one of my favorite beers. They uh, are not as local, but I'm drinking a fat tire amber ale, which is that, a classic. It is indeed. Can't go wrong with a fat tire. A buttery biscuit. And in New a Belgium is employee owned. They are mm-hmm. a phenomenal company that's doing really wonderful stuff. Um, totally. So, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for. Everybody listening, I have uh, interview. I'm on episode 16 here, and we've done uh, an episode with Nick Roberts, which was episode two, and then I did an episode with Afros in Nature, which was like episode seven or so. Um, and they both told me that I need to talk to Connor multiple times. They've told me like five or six times in a row. They're like, "You need to talk to Connor and uh, and have an inter- interview about him and Reset Outdoors." And uh, it just took a couple messages via Instagram and a couple emails, and, and here we are. So I am so grateful uh, to you and your team for setting this up. Oh, man, I, I'm thrilled for the opportunity. Uh, as we said in kind of the chit-chat before we got started here, um, Nick Roberts and the entire Afros in Nature team are people that I love dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just warms my heart to, to have them recommend this conversation and Frankly, it makes me think very highly of you that you have such incredible people um, that you're having conversations with. I Truthfully, Mel and the Afros and Nature team are doing absolutely tremendous work tirelessly yeah. at a time when it is so desperately needed. Nick is like, I don't know, when I think of him, I think of a warrior of light. He's just a yes. guy that brings joy and passion and like... He's unflappable too. Like yeah. nothing gets nothing gets him been out of shape. Um, and also an incredibly hard worker who can be really focused um, on stuff that he's helped us out a ton at Reset. So mm-hmm. anyway, I'm just I love those folks. I was thinking the same thing is that good people bring in other good people. And once you get started on that roller coaster, it doesn't stop. You just get, it's like a snowball effect. Nick Roberts is one of those guys. I've always said this, that any team I'm building, I don't care if we're creating a new color of crayon. I don't care if we're going to war. I'm centering my team around a guy like Nick Roberts. So I totally agree. hundred percent. He's a guy that you definitely want with you in a foxhole, so to speak. I I couldn't agree more. Um, Tell us about you a little bit. Um, I want to hear about you, how you kind of got started in your own realm of like being outside and and, uh, seeing the importance in that. And then how you came to create Reset Outdoors. Uh, Open-ended questions. Um, Okay. (laughs) So I I guess um, I'm I'm originally from here in Pennsylvania. Uh, I mean, how far back do you want me to go, man? Seriously. Do you want me to get like the full, like, summary of everything or kind of cherry picking the good bits what do you what yeah do you, i mean like you, was you like? Uh, growing up and like as a kid and stuff like that was were you an outdoor person all the time um right. I, I was in i was outside far more than i was inside i think uh and i lived in a little town in north central pennsylvania um, where we had 28 trees in my backyard um and i knew them all individually mm-hmm. um we had a baseball field right down the hill we had down past the uh, baseball field was like the most incredible sledding hill on the face of the earth. Um, I still have a scar on my forehead from putting my head through (laughs) some ice bombing that hill on a sled when I was like six. Um, Yeah. And my parents in their own ways uh, have just loved the outdoors. Uh, My mom is definitely a beach person and we didn't get all very, all that frequently, but when we went, I just watched her completely relax. Yeah. Um, 
And that meant that, I mean, that meant a lot to me growing up. Um, and then my dad, I think he had me camping, tent camping. Um, I think when I was three, yeah, I was pretty young when we first started doing that. He was also, um, sort of a stealth river rat. He loved running rivers. And while it wasn't necessarily something that he, um, pursued, right. Like a, like a real hobby, um, or, or, you know, passion, he was running a lot of pretty intense rivers. Um, right. And so he had me on the Akigani when I was four, maybe. Really? Um, yeah. So again, like I'm just, uh, I'm, it's in my, it's in my bones, man. I, I, I love it dearly and uh, hardly a day goes by when I'm not under the sky by, and yeah. in, in the trees uh, and on the water in some way, shape or form. I think that's such an important place to start the story because uh, I get typically two answers. One being what you just told me. Yes. It's in my soul. I was rooted in it. Uh, and then I talked to some people where, where their answer is more like, no, I wasn't. And I discovered it later in life. <clears throat> and then they, they found uh, I guess what made them tick in the outdoors through different circumstances, uh, maybe a college rec program, or maybe um, maybe a club that their friend brought them into, or maybe they walked through the park one day and heard a bird. And they're like, what kind of bird is that? So like, it, it, to me, the foundation is, is really cool to hear people elaborate on their different ways that they entered, I guess, nature itself. Um, did you have role models or anybody that you were looking up to um, besides your parents as you were getting outdoors as a kid? Oh, Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I was surrounded by folks that were um, <clears throat> capable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like just people that knew what they were doing. Uh, yeah. Or in some cases, if they didn't really know, they'd figure out a way. Those uh, are the and best. That, that, yeah, that's uh, that sort of resourcefulness. Um, my Uncle Ken comes to mind immediately. My dad, um, my mom is really good at kind of pulling things together with whatever she can find around. Um, you know, I've got a troop of cousins that, um, each in their own way is a very talented outdoors person. Um, yeah, I, lots of folks. So a good friend, funny, uh, my middle school guidance counselor who is still a dear friend of mine. Um, he is somebody that, uh, hits the river almost daily in a big 18 foot, aluminum indiana smoker craft um <laughs> that you know he bought it at a yard sale i don't know but anyway he i, I uh, used to work for him in college and uh every day at the end of work almost every day not quite every day we grab a can of coke and we roll on up the river uh put the boat in float down take out at his house and go grab a sandwich somewhere and it was just like the perfect way to end the day um, yeah. And that was the Susquehanna River, by the way, just north of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, um, which is uh, very near and dear to me. I, I love that river very, very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rivers have a unique way of touching one's soul, I think. Oh, they're just, they're never the same. You're, you're <laughs> never, they feel deeply familiar, but they are never the same. You're never going to see the same, the same stuff on a river. I feel like this is a good segue into obviously your passion for the outdoors led you to start uh, reset. Um, tell us what you guys do. Uh, who do you guys serve and a little bit about the company and then we'll, we'll delve into the nitty gritty. 
Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because I'm feeling like reset is sort of a, a combination of a uh, natural sort of draw and also necessity. So when you talk about some of the other people you've talked to and the two different ways that people connect with the outdoors, I feel like reset came about from both of those um, mm-hmm. because I was in a place career wise where I was burning out hard Yeah. Um, and had, you know, all the signs were there for years as is often the case, right? That it starts to very insidiously work its way into you deeper and deeper and deeper until you look back and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't even pinpoint when this began, but I am all kinds of out of whack. Yeah. What Um, were you doing? I was a therapist at a rape crisis center. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just to be totally blunt, it had the burnout had nothing to do with the work that I was doing. It had everything to do with the super fun toxicity of the workplace. Yeah. Um, the my direct supervisor and their boss were should not have been in those roles um, without diving into that darkness Um, and made our lives collectively significantly more difficult than needed to be in a agency doing work that was so critical to the community Um, so Long story short, yeah, I can look back now in hindsight and see that there were there was a period of about two years where I just wasn't doing the things that recharged my battery. And this is totally indicative of burnout, right? You, you, right. you just stop, you lose the motivation, you start uh, slowly, like things don't bring you as much joy, you get irritated, you know, one beer at the end of the day turns to two or three, you're not sleeping mm-hmm. well. You get yeah. irritable at all the people around, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know how this goes. Um, and I felt like I rediscovered it. So a friend of mine invited me to go kayaking uh, on a lake here, Lake Nakamixon. It's a lovely man-made lake just a few miles east of where I'm sitting now. Um, and it was kind of a late summer day. And, uh, you know, I was like stressed the heck out. We've been out there for about two hours and I just have this, like, it's such a clear memory for me. That, like the breeze came over my shoulder. I felt it kind of tussle my hair and just watched it sort of continue that movement across the surface of the water, up into the canopy of the trees. And the question popped in my head, like, why aren't we doing this with our clients and our colleagues? Why, yeah. why are we not on kayaks on Lake Nakamixon with the people we're serving and with the people we work with? Because this is really good medicine. Right. Um, so I dove into the research uh, and was, now I'm not shocked at all, and I feel silly admitting this, but I was blown away by just how much research had been done to show the positive impact that simply spending time outdoors has on our entire beings as humans, not just our physical health or psychological health, but socially, creatively. It has, uh, it has positive impacts on, on everything we do as people. Um, and that was all I needed to see. So we there was enough evidence. There was enough to, I needed it badly. So it was, frankly, it was a last ditch effort to save uh, a career that I love very much. Um, was it like and, a, uh, if you don't see the light, be the light moment for you? Like, why are we not doing this? Why is no one making this a priority? Well, hell, I got to be the person to go do this now. Uh, you know, I don't, th- I think it was really more self-preservation. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't think, I don't know, man. I don't know if I had that level of farsight, I, mm-hmm. I think, or, or forward thinking. 
Um, I, uh, I needed, I needed to know that if I was going to go out, it was going to be doing something that felt meaningful. Um, and I don't mean like go out of the world. I mean, like give up on a career that, um, that I truly love. Um, and frankly, the other options were pretty good. So it was not like I was like, I was in all seriousness, I was going to be a blacksmith or a timber framer. Those were the, those are the other options. And I still think of those as being phenomenal plan B's. Um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, or like a middle Smith of some sort, like I, I love yeah. that stuff. So it, it wasn't like I had to decide against things that I really didn't want to do. Um, so why didn't you go with a plan B in those, in those situations where you had good plan B's you stuck with plan A? Um, that, that I don't really know, man. Uh, yeah. I think I want to say that it's because I felt like there's, there's still more to do. Um, that, you know, you know how, you know how, when you, I know you're an athlete, um, you played pretty high level football. Um, I, I played rugby and was a wrestler and you know how, you know, the feeling when you, even if you lose for me in my, in my memory, like if, if I lost a rugby game or a wrestling match, I, I felt so much better about it. If I knew that I ground myself to the last ounce of energy that I possibly could give. Um, yeah. If I did that, then I could sleep well at night. Um, and really, I think that's where it came down to is knowing that I, there was still more to give. I still had, there's still hope. Um, and that if, if this was going to be the, the death throes of this career for me, it, it might as well be doing something that feels authentic and, um, and worthwhile. Yeah. Leave it all out on the field before you walk away right. from it. That's powerful. Yeah. That's yeah. Powerful. And you know, we've been muddling along now for five years. So, you know, what can I say? It's, it's, it has never felt like the match has ended, frankly, but, um, right. you know, it's okay. It's, there's still energy that somehow bubbles up and it's, it's good. So what do you guys do? I know you guys uh, cater to both individuals in a therapy uh, way. And then you also um, work with, you know, like leadership teams and uh, maybe companies and corporate stuff. Um, what's the spectrum of which you guys cover? Um, so this goes back to your, your question earlier about, um, about what sort of the inspiration was for reset. And ultimately it was being somebody who was caught in a, in a work environment that didn't have my well being in mind whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, and knowing that the data on, especially with helping professionals is staggering. The burnout rate is extraordinarily high. Um, I mean, now more than ever. We can get into this a little later, but um, we're seeing the impact of a system that doesn't really care for boots on the ground, front lines, clinicians in a way that it needs to. And that's just not sustainable. So the work that we do with individuals is, uh, I mean, I'm sitting here in our conference room in our office. Um, We do traditional mental health counseling. which is just like you would imagine you're sitting on like a chair or a couch with somebody sitting across the room from you. Um, I mean, currently it's actually through zoom. We're all telehealth at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get, you know, you're asked questions, you sort of build a relationship and in time you start to pick out patterns and shift those patterns and, and start to feel better and heal. Um, 
But what our what we really love to do is get our clients outside into the woods or onto local waterways. Um, and when we do that, there's no requirement or even expectation to talk. It means that um, folks that aren't necessarily inclined to spill their deepest, darkest secrets to a total stranger don't have to and still get measurable benefit. So you're getting mm-hmm. some gentle exercise, which we know is incredibly healthy for us. Yeah. Um, and you're getting time outdoors, which we know is incredibly healthy for us. And <laughs> if you want to talk, that is also very healthy. So <laughs> at a minimum, you're going to get one good thing, which you wouldn't get if you're sitting in an office. If you're in an right. office and you're not talking, you know, unless it's a really nice office that smells really good, I don't know. Or maybe the couch is really comfortable and you can catch a quick nap. I'm not sure, but right. <laughs> see, I'm gone. With, with teams, um, that evolved very, very organically. And, and we just got asked by uh, uh, a local university, a specific department of local university who kind of liked the philosophy that we bring to our therapy if we'd be willing to put something together for a team that was integrating. Yeah. Um, it was their first time bringing new team members on board. And that led to this whole sort of much more uh, broad offering of uh, leadership and professional development services that we have. We're the first in the country to combine this thing called the Clifton Strengths Assessment Tool with yeah. time spent outdoors as a professional development strategy. Um, and what I'm most excited about is our uh, program that's come about out of necessity because we can't work with groups right right now. Right. Um, and that hit us hard business-wise. Um, but also as is often the case led to some tremendous soul searching and really assessing the needs that exist and yeah. some really phenomenal innovation. So our newest program is called vantage point. Uh, and it's sort of a combination between our professional development services and our clinical services, where we bring a mobile base camp with a team of clinicians and support staff to essentially teach individual employees or community members, um, how to reinvigorate their self-care practice by taking them on a walk in green space um, and showing them the impact that that has through a handy dandy little assessment tool. Like it's, I'm like, I love it because it's just so simple. There's not much to it, but it also has the, the, the real positive impact that I think people need desperately right now. On a really personal level too, it seems. So you're, you're taking in a crew of people and, and doing this one by one almost? Correct. So it honestly, uh, it's safe COVID wise. We're outside, we're masked up, we're physically distant, we're sterilizing mm-hmm. everything. Like we're meeting every requirement that the CDC and our Pennsylvania State Health Department recommends. Yeah. Um, so it's one on one. So it's two people outdoors, not a whole lot of risk there. Um, but if multiple people on the same team have that same experience, even if it's separate, it's still a shared experience. You can still talk to your colleagues about it and compare notes and trade ideas and say, oh, this is something that I learned. Or oh, did you notice that Connor had some broccoli in his teeth? That's kind of weird, you know, <laughs> like whatever. You know, it's it's uh, serves a, a, a team unifying purpose as well while being totally safe. Absolutely. That's killer. Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. Um. I work 
currently for a software company that caters to outdoor outfitters. So whitewater rafting companies, zip lines. It's great. I work from home. I've got all my like house plants here on the table with me. My team is great. Small team. Uh, we do have a lot of those virtual shared experiences. I say it's very healthy. Um, I thought I'd mention that as we're talking about teams. Yeah. But um, we saw what we thought was going to be a catastrophic year in 2020 in outdoor recreation turn into a year where some companies were up 10 to 30 to 40 percent um, because people, you know, they were stuck inside for a month, month and a half, some longer. And all of a sudden, when it was available to them again, they came rushing outside and, and, they maybe spent some time reading on the benefits of the outdoors. Do you think moving, you know, we got a vaccine, hopefully making its way through the, through the population and getting everybody back to uh, what could be our, our normal again. Do you see your business and the things that you provide to people growing exponentially, hopefully in 2021? Yeah, um, I, I, I do. I think 2021 is going to be our year. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, I alluded to how it has never felt like we've gotten out of the match. Yeah. Um, we, I guess in business, there are a couple metaphors that people use to describe what kind of company you are. There are speedboats and sailboats. Um, speedboats know exactly where they're going, exactly how to get there. They want to get there as fast as possible and then exit the boat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sailboats are usually see something coming and are waiting for the breeze to catch. Um, and I think for us, and I, b- believe me, I don't want this to sound like, uh, I, the, the pandemic is hitting us really hard, but yeah. what's happened is society, companies, government institutions, um, are starting to see and feel trends that existed before the pandemic are being magnified dramatically. Yeah. Um, and so the conversations are being had and the, the reality is, is that, Companies, universities, healthcare institutions, government agencies, even even uh, branches of the military are starting to recognize uh, that people aren't quite the disposable, renewable resource that you thought that they were and have been treating them for a long time. And that if you really want to get the most out of someone, you've got to take care of them. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I really think that we're positioned really well to to provide a, a very simple, non-invasive, um, mm-hmm. uh, gentle, and individualized approach that uh, could help a lot of people. And businesses' bottom lines, if we're being honest, um, you know, people who are relaxed and less stressed and taking care of themselves are more productive and stick around. They don't they don't leave for new companies. Um, and retention and productivity are two big things. Yeah. And I kind of want to circle back to burnout. I was just reading a study this week, actually, uh, citing exactly what you just said, that burnout is higher now than it's ever been uh, in the history of like modern work. And I was curious uh, to pick your brain. Why do you think that is? Or why is that? You, you probably read or studied more than this than I have, that people are feeling, uh, I guess, so high and dry. Oh, man. And this is a complicated question. It does not have a simple answer. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I mean, how, how intense do you want me to go with it? Like there's, there's a lot, like I can, I, if you want, we can go all the way back 
into the late '60s, early '70s, when all kinds of policies changed. Um, we can see. Talk I'm about super the, interested in that because I'm a historian by trade. Okay. Um, but I, I guess just if you're gonna give me like a super, like we're gonna tip the cap off and let it blow some steam off version, sure. and then cap it back on to the people. Yeah. Um, for a long time, and this is. Uh, I feel like I want to qualify this by saying that I own a business and I yeah. intend to make some money by running this business. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of what capitalism requires. And I am in that road right now yeah. um, and don't feel super bad about it. But what I do disagree with is that profits come over people um, and profits come over the environment. I think that it is possible, and there are companies that are doing this and have been doing this for decades, um, that don't prioritize profit over people or the environment. And so when we look at the insane amounts of money that American companies, that global companies are, are making, and the wealth gap continuing to grow at the rate that it is, um, that people that are working their asses off day in and day out, week in and week out, their entire lives that aren't getting good health coverage, that are having to decide between um, healthcare and rent. Yeah. Like, it's, I think that is, uh, and, and I'm, again, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm being too fringy here. I think, um, I think we're seeing that now. Uh, I think we're, I think the pandemic is really calling those imbalances and those unsustainable philosophies directly into practice. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't know what kind of audience you have on this podcast. Um, I'm not, uh, I hunt, right. I do all these things. Like I, I'm not a, a guy that's, I feel like I'm totally out there. I'm a business owner that cares about my community and thinks that, um, more can be done. Even if that means that your quarterly returns are a little less, um, yeah. And that correlates. So, so companies that aren't prioritizing people, instead prioritizing profits, are leaving those people kind of in the dust. And instead of investing in probably their most valuable resource, yes, uh, the the water and air and earth that uh, provides food and shelter and water and you know what we breathe, what we drink yeah. and breathe. Um, on top of the people that actually make it possible, the community that allow provides the opportunity to the country that has given us the possibility to take these risks yeah. um, is owed more than, than I think these antiquated economic philosophies and rules allow us to presently. So there's, I think really, um, we have to reckon with the fact that people matter. Um, People that are taken care of give far more. uh, Mm -hmm. And that impacts bottom lines so much more uh, than bleeding them dry, tossing them aside and bringing the new person in. Uh, I'd love to switch gears a little bit from that. Actually, it's probably a pretty hard right turn. Uh, The word therapy is scary for a lot mm-hmm. of people. It's a lot yeah. for a lot of people. And I, even myself, I like to think that I'm pretty centered and uh, I don't know, you know, I, I do my gratitude journal and like I practice, you know, um, 
uh, working on my mental health, those little things. But the word therapy honestly scares the hell out of me. Like if someone came up and they're like, you need therapy, I'd be like, I don't, I don't need therapy. I would immediately get a little bit defensive. Uh, now, when I really think about it, I think, yes, Dan, you could use therapy. In fact, probably everybody in the world could use therapy. Uh, do you think that there's a stigma that prevents people from, from coming out to see people like you uh, and, and have this experience that is uh, you know, both therapeutic and a uh, reintroduction to nature? Yes. Um, so <laughs> one of the taglines we use a lot is that it's very therapeutic. It's not therapy. And the reason for that is that there is a tremendous stigma um, and the utilization rates uh, and even accessibility of high quality mental health services are very low nationwide, um, despite staggeringly uh, growing need. Um, so yeah, I think what we're trying to do is uh, there's a there's a spectrum of healthcare, like meeting with a clinician, meeting with your primary care physician or a medical specialist is one end. The other end is what you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're trying to reconnect people with is that there are tools all around us. And there are some exceptions to this, of course, Dan, like there's some parts of our country, um, urban areas that don't have access to green space, easy access to green space. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of communities and here in the Lehigh Valley, um, Allentown, Bethlehem and Easton, the sister cities, nobody is further than a 15 minute walk from green space, whether that's a little city park or like the greenway here in Bethlehem, which is a repurposed railway that is now a beautiful walking trail um, to like things like the wildlands conservancy that are preserved properties that are open to the public. And you drop into those trails and you feel like you're in Colorado. You feel like you're away from everything that's here. that's built up. Yeah. Um, so really, yeah, the, the idea is that uh, people know they need to do something and the solutions that are presented um, don't always appeal to, to most people. Um, so what can you do that will work, that will help you feel better in a relatively short period of time? That doesn't mean that you've got to make yourself uh, totally transparent to a stranger. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are three things that somebody's listening to this? They might be like, hey, I have like, for example, my brother lives in Chicago, which you don't really think of being a green space, but they've got a ton. And uh, yeah. last time I was there, we took a nice walk on a repurposed uh, railway and it's, you know, it's lifted off off the ground. They've got community gardens. It's gorgeous. Uh, what would be maybe three things that you would tell somebody that they could start practicing on their own uh, to start feeling the benefits of these things in a place like that? 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes That's a day, it. take a walk. Doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter where you are. You can be in downtown Chicago. You can be in downtown New York. You can be um, here in Bethlehem. You can be out in the middle of the country surrounded by farmland and trees. Um, 20 minutes a day outside natural light. Even better if there's tree, if there are trees and water um, has been proven to dramatically and measurably reduce all of the negative stuff and boost a lot of the good stuff. Um, and you know, from heart rate to blood pressure to the stress hormones that our brain produce, um, to mood being elevated, yeah. to empathy and creative problem solving and innovation, uh, to a feeling of connectedness with the world around us and the people around us. Like all that can be impacted 
the newest data says that it's the minimum is two hours a week. So what's that? 22, 20, 22 minutes a day, something like yeah. that. Wow. 20 minutes a day and you can have all of those beautiful benefits. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, so it's basically get outside, get some sunlight, hang out with some trees. Yeah. Even if it's gray and rainy, get yeah. outside, like listen to the sound of the rain on the concrete, feel the, the cold wind whipping in your face and just notice that, but pay attention to what snowflakes look like. And this is, this is the part of it is that it brings us into the present. Nature pulls us out of the nonsense that's going on in our heads, deadlines, emails, doctor's appointments, soccer practice, pandemic, uncertainty, fear. And it brings us into the present without having to do much, but just get ourselves out there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, it feels magical. Um, but it, it's, it's science. And it's, uh, to me, it indicates that we have this connection, this, this reliance, this need to spend time outside that we have lost sight of. And, and if there's ever a time to reconnect with that, it's now. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think some people get caught up in the, maybe the thought process that they have to do something extreme to have that moment of clarity, that moment of not thinking the moment of, you know, no deadlines, every kayaker I ever talked to, they talk about, uh, you know, going into a rapid and they forget everything besides the paddle strokes that are happening, but it doesn't have to be kayaking and, and class five whitewater. It can, it can literally be, like you said, you go outside and, and I love bird watching. And when you're trying to figure out what birds making what noise and you got your, your uh, binoculars and your field guide and, and you're just focused on this one mission, literally everything else melts away and it can be that easy. Um, it, so I am drawn to the kind of bigger, crazier stuff. Um, yeah. or, or should I say I, I was, I have been in the past drawn to climbing mountains, um, running rivers, hitting slopes, like doing stuff that's pretty adrenaline fueled and mm -hmm. uh, adventurous. And as I've gotten older, especially now that I have a little, a little kiddo, um, there is incredible, profound, deep, satisfying moments that I literally, it's, it, let's see, two days ago, I saw a new mushroom growing on the side of a, of a down log that the colors were so beautiful. It was like this rust red fading to this like deep brown mm -hmm. along the edge. And I haven't looked up what mushroom it was. But my son and I were just walking along and I was like, what is that? That is beautiful. And in that moment, I was like, ah, oh. you, you just get this lift and it's subtle and it's, it's those are the moments that charge our batteries and fuel us moving forward. I think of mushroom when I feel that feel, the colors were just so extraordinary. Um, and if I had been thinking a little more, I would have, you know, tried to smell it a little bit and get a little more mm -hmm. sensory info from it. So I could try to identify it a little more readily, but it doesn't take running classified rapids or shooting a double black diamond on your snowboard. It really just takes getting outside and just noticing what your eyes and your ears and your nose and your, your sense of touch is drawn to. Um, what, what do you notice? What do you remember? What, what is pulling your attention to it? 
um, that's where the magic happens. That fires me up just to hear you talk about that. And the fact that you got to share that moment with your son. Uh, it's so cool. That's how I got started was me and my dad. And he, uh, maybe without even knowing it, he taught me how to be mindful and, uh, and, and have those moments. So that's awesome. My hands are sweating. I'm stoked. That's cool. <laughs> it's uh, it is truly a joy. And if I could say that, um, it's also truly a necessity because we have been cooped up for a really long time. And, you know, I, I, I love my wife and my son more than anybody else in the face of the earth. And there are moments when I feel like I want to run screaming from the house because um, we're just getting on each other's nerves so much um, yeah. that having woods that are just about a 10 minute walk from our house has been a lifesaver. Um, and it is your, your point. It is amazing to watch and pay attention to what he notices. Um, mm-hmm his little eyes are picking up everything and his ears hear everything and he is fearless and, and what he's going to run into and check out. And it's just, it's so much fun. Um, he sees deer, he sees deer before even our dog can see them at times. Like it's wild. Um, the best way to, to relearn curiosity is to hang out with a kid for a day. Truly. You're right on the money there. Absolutely. Yep. It's just incredible. Now you have the opportunity to uh, provide some pretty powerful impacts, you know, based off of everything that we've talked about so far, the science on, on people's lives, it could be really, you know, life-changing for the people that come and see you, whether it be, you know, maybe a work retreat where they didn't have any say, or maybe it's someone who's like, I know I need this in my life. Um, What do you think are some of the most impactful things that you've seen um, as far as, as interacting with people and, and the changes that you see in people's lives as they take on your programs? Um, are you, I'm trying to think of a couple specific examples, but I, I, the reality is, is that every session we take with people outside, um, with a few exceptions, um, Mm -hmm. the moment that people look at their compass, we have a, the tool that we use for our check-ins and check-outs called the thrive compass. Cool. Uh, and I can, I can tell you about this, but the idea is that it's, it's giving you a second to assess six factors in your life um, that we know are impacted positively by spending time outside. Uh, thoughts, health, resilience, interdependence, vitality, and empathy. Not an exhaustive list, just the six that we decided to choose because we could arrange them to spell the cool word that people could remember, which is thrive. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the moment that towards the end of the hike, right. When we're like coming out of the woods and we're kind of posting up and one of the trails that we use, there's some bleachers. There's like a soccer field that we use to access the woods. And we stop at the bleachers We pull out the compass. So we do our quick assessment. And the moment when they're like, I don't even really need to do this because I can tell you that I feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's subtle, but the clarity and confidence that comes back into people's voices and their affect and, and just the way that they're carrying themselves and the way that they're breathing, the way that they're talking uh, to me, um, that never gets old. Um, the trick then though, is getting it to be something that they, that they integrate regularly into their, into their lives. And um, it, we know human behavior just takes, it takes multiple touches. It takes a number of times to reinforce it for that, uh, that confidence to, to really take root. 
Yeah. Habit building is extremely hard. I was uh, listening to something the other day and it said, maybe it sounds crazy, but I think that said 90 days to truly form a habit is what you should expect. So I guess that's where like that 22 minutes a day outdoors might come into play. Absolutely. Um, And this is, I think that it's, it, it can potentially scratch itches for all kinds of different people. If you're a marathoner, you're going to be outside because you're going to be training. That's good. It's just shifting your intent, your intention and your awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're somebody that likes to bodybuild, right? Like you're lifting weights. It's a good way to cool down. It's just building that awareness, right? Letting your senses kind of guide you and, and let the environment pull you out. Um, if you're somebody who doesn't particularly like to exercise, maybe you like birds, maybe you like wildlife and animals. And so taking making a priority to get out and explore green space with the hopes of seeing what kind of wildlife lives in in the ecosystem around you is a really good motivator and helps you get out, right? It's just about finding the thing that uh, makes it worth doing. Um, You know, some people are incredibly good at maintaining a a phenomenal meditative or mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people, but I can always think of a reason to get outside. Right. And the benefits, according to the research, are close to identical. I read, just read an article uh, a couple of weeks ago where they, <laughs> and I now, of course, the details of the study are flying out of my brain. But basically, <laughs> the summary of it was looking up through the canopy of a tree at the sky or just looking at the sky, looking at the clouds, um, impacts our brains almost identically to folks that have a really robust and mature meditation practice. Wow. Wow. So it's as easy as going out, stringing your hammock up between a couple of trees and just looking up for a while. Yeah. Or not even just kicking back on the grass. Um, yeah. And, you know, watching. That's all. Um, that, uh, that fires me up. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So cool. What are, what are some like unique challenges that uh, you've come against? Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the beautiful things that happen, but are there people that maybe feel a little bit panicked by the introduction of getting outside or maybe it's so far outside their comfort zone that you got to kind of really take your baby steps? Uh, the, the, the biggest challenge we've had recently is uh, during the deer rut, we had a buck chasing two does come right at us it was wild so that was there was that like and this is always that first time in five years that anything that intense has happened it was sure afterwards we were like whoa that was incredible holy cow Mm -hmm. um holy deer but uh (laughs) but i i think you know really our job is to try to meet people where they are and being that we're therapists even if we're not shrinking people's heads on the trail which we tend to not do (laughs) um we've gotten really good at like easing people in yeah. We have bug spray. We have sunblock. We have everything that people might need if they're worried. What we don't have is like proper cold weather gear for folks that maybe don't have good warm wool socks and waterproof shoes and um, rain gear and good insulated layers. Um, so that's always a, an issue for us here when it starts getting cold. Uh, yeah. But no, I mean, really, and, I mean, and to be totally honest, like people self-select into what we do. They they're already interested in some way, shape or form. Um, right. We don't tend to get clients that don't have some sort of desire to reconnect with the outdoors. Um, 
But, you know, there's some interesting partnerships coming down the line for 2021 where we might be working on making inroads into, into households that, that wouldn't be super drawn to that. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, we'll talk more about that maybe in a couple of months. Very cool. Um, now let's say, you know, five years down the line, you guys have absolutely destroyed everything that you thought you would, you're killing it. You've got all the resources in the world. What's the future for reset look like? Mm, for me personally, it would be a school of interpretive dance where I can teach people <laughs> how to, no, I'm just I was going to say, do we need to see how this works? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. no, I, um, I, the five-year goal is to be in five cities. Um, wow. Wow to have uh, the model that we are hoping to build is what I have been taught to call a social enterprise. It's the um, inextricable link between a nonprofit and a for-profit organization. Um, the clinical side, we are committed to having that be as accessible as possible to communities that need access to high quality mental health care and adding our special twist on making sure that people have access to the outdoors if they're inclined to try that out. Yeah. Um, that's what we're thinking is being the, the nonprofit side. The for-profit side is the corporate teamwork. Um, and to that end, um, there are, there are cities that have phenomenal green space with big companies with lots of employees that n need what we're offering. Um, that can use what we're offering and that would benefit from what we're offering. And ultimately, and I used to feel a little uh, bashful about saying this, but the reality of it is, Dan, is that we want companies to see just how critical the natural world is to their success as companies. Yeah. Um, if companies, if leadership in companies, if employees all the way through the hierarchy of whatever company you want to use as an example, if they can see how reliant we are without even being aware of it on the natural world around us, they will make different decisions. And a little may ring a little kind of naive on my part to think that that's going to impact it, but um, I'm still holding out on that. I think, I think it's, I know it's true. Uh, and I believe I'm an optimist. I think that people um, really, most people are very good Um if given the opportunity to learn something new that helps them shift the way they make decisions, they will take that opportunity. And to love something, you do have to have an awareness of it. And if you don't have an awareness of it, if maybe you haven't, maybe you're somebody who doesn't have like the privilege that I have to get out in the out. I mean, I live in Montana. I've got national forest. I can see it. it's 15 minutes down the road. Uh, it's easy. I've got a car. It's easy. Uh, you know, bringing that awareness to cultivate a love is is so important i'm so happy you guys are doing it um i want to respect your time we're kind of getting to the end of things here is there anything you feel like we haven't hit on yet before we go into the closing questions yeah i definitely want to call some attention to our friends at park rx america so this is a nonprofit headquartered out of washington dc that was founded by a physician who recognized the need to reconnect people with nature as a prescription for treating physical and psychological injuries and illness um, so ParkRx America is this growing database of local green spaces and a growing network of clinicians who can write prescriptions to their patients to get outside as treatment. That's stellar. I've never heard stellar. of that. 
So it's actually common practice around the world. Um, the UK, Scandinavia, Asia, this is something that is done regularly. We're behind the times here in the US and Robert Czar and his, uh, his crew are making incredible efforts, um, doing all kinds of cutting edge research to prove the causality uh, mm. of benefit from spending time in nature and reduction of all these symptoms and things that are getting in our, our way. So um, we're thrilled to, to be working with them and uh, love the work they're doing. It is so necessary. Um, and we're excited to be adding the parks here in our local area to their network um, so that local physicians can start prescribing green time. That is so epic. Oh yeah. my gosh. I'm going to research the hell out of those guys. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're great, man. You're going to love them. Uh, anybody else that you guys are working with that you want to shout out to? Yeah. National Alliance on Mental Illness, our local chapter here, Maggie and Kelly and the whole crew, they're phenomenal. Um, we've got the Outdoor Foundation that we're talking to, which is the foundation associated with the um, Outdoor Industry Association. They're phenomenal. Um, there's, there's, Listen, man, you know this. Um, there are so many people. This is the times are hard, and it's easy to lose sight of um, the good things that are happening around us. And these folks, NAMI, Park RX America, the Outdoor Foundation, are actively working. Their missions are to connect people to things that are healthful, beneficial, empowering, mm -hmm. and outdoors. Um, it's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Wow. Whew. Got to take a deep breath. That was getting me fired up. <laughs> That's awesome. That, those, yeah. the fact that you guys are working with so many, the outdoor industry is so cool. It's like, I think of like the uh, mycelium in, in a forest connecting all the different trees. Yeah. So to hear about it and, and to, to see it happening, it gives me, you know, it's been a hard year and to hear about it, man. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, there's That's good cool. stuff. There's good stuff. There's good stuff happening, and there's even more good stuff coming uh, just on the horizon. So, oh. don't lose hope. Keep keep getting outside. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. Take care of your neighbors and your community, um, because we're. I think we're we're coming through this. Um, mm -hmm. We're not. I mean, it's definitely. I think if we're being honest, I think we're in a pretty rough patch right now. Um, yeah. But we just gotta we gotta keep our heads on and um, continue to stay careful. Continue to really just do every best practice that the CDC recommends, mm -hmm. um, and then you know maybe get vaccinated and uh, come through this in the summertime, and maybe we can have a beer together instead of yes. through the Zoom reverse. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I look forward to that day. Uh, cool. You ready for the final five? Lay them on me. All right. First one's easy. Where can we interact and find you guys on social media? Oh my gosh. The Instagrams, the LinkedIn's, uh, the Facebooks, and of course our good old fashioned HTTP www.resetoutdoors.com. Beautiful. I'll tag all that mm -hmm. in the show notes to make it easy for anybody who wants to come okay. interact with you guys. And if someone hears your message and they want to get involved with you guys, do you have any, any ways for them to do that from afar? Email is great. Um, feel free to email me directly, Connor at resetoutdoors.com. Um, Instagram and Facebook are pretty awesome, especially because 
our team member, Jason kicks so much butt on social media and is so responsive and so committed to talking to people and interacting. Um, feel free to shoot us a message. Um, what do they say now? Drop on into our DMS. There you go. Slide uh, on in on the Instagrams. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, those are, those are the best ways. Cool. Uh, question number two, what is your favorite outdoor activity and why? I'm, I'm a canoeer. Um, I think I always was even before really discovering it. And I think I always will be. Um, but I, you know, with a toddler and all the other things I have been woefully lacking in nurturing that passion of mine. Um, so right now, every chance I get to drop deep into woods is, uh, is like my favorite thing. So walking deer trails, that's one of the things I've really loved to do. Um, staying, you know, we practice leave no trace as much as possible. So, and I know this is sort of in a gray area, but when we're back kind of deep into the woods, I love nothing more than saying, Oh, there's a deer trail or an animal trail and just following it to see what kind of signs I can see. Um, yeah, really love that right now, especially in the winter. It's like, you see tracks. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's a great way to, uh, to maybe every, every walk in the woods is a little bit different. Kind of like every run on the river is different too. Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Question number three, where is your favorite place you've ever been to outdoors? Oh my gosh. It's a toughie. My favorite place I've ever been to outdoors. Hmm. Well, there are two that come to mind almost immediately. Um, One is the Robert Moses National Shore. Uh, on Fire Island, New York. That's a place that um, I just, there's a lot of history, uh, a lot of family history, a lot of memories that I have of that particular beach. And um, I used to always say I was a beach person that's shifted as I've gotten older, but that is a beach that I would choose over most other places. Yeah. Um, Waves or not. I love waves, but even a, a, still glass day there i'd rather be there than most places yeah uh, and then and I've, I've run some pretty awesome rivers and uh, but my most favorite like the one that feels most deeply familiar is that section of the Susquehanna i told you about um mm-hmm. a few miles north of harrisburg um that i would run with my friend mr laz and i'm overdue to, he's been calling me for weeks saying come on the water's great uh, um i haven't you know, COVID, what am I going to do? Awesome. Great answer. <clears throat> uh, question number four is a little tough. What's something that you see today as a blessing that you originally saw as maybe a mistake? Um, I instantly had three things pop into my head. Uh, part of being an entrepreneur um, is doing things without really knowing what you're doing. Um, Mm. Inherently kind of taking some risks. Uh, And over the course of this five years of running Reset, I have had very crystal clear moments where it has felt like a mistake. Um, Most saliently when we found out we were having a baby. Um, And it was like, can I swear on this podcast? Um, it was like, holy shit, 
this is a mistake. What am I doing? Sinking everything we've got into a business when we got a kid coming. Um, I think, uh, I think that, I think starting a business is one of the things that is most frequently felt exquisitely painfully like a mistake. Yeah. Um, and then there are these moments where you, I've been able to breathe easy and realize that all the struggle, all of the uncertainty, all of the, frankly, fear, um, insecurity, self-doubt, all these things that pop in um, seem to lead somewhere. And who knows where it's going. But I can tell you that right now I'm in a place where I feel a tremendous amount of gratitude for the struggle and for the literally hanging on for the ride because a lot of times it hasn't felt like I've had very much control. Um, So (laughs) the blessing is very much, I think, a recognition of my own resilience. Yeah. um, And that despite all my best efforts to screw this up, (laughs) um, we've managed to stay alive. And that's (laughs) just that feels good. Who knows how I feel tomorrow, but that's how I feel right now. (laughs) Feels feels good right (laughs) now. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, before we head to question five, I want to acknowledge you uh, for for following your passions, for not leaving it out on the field, you know, and, and laying in bed thinking, what if, uh, for creating uh, programs and a place for people to reconnect or maybe connect for the first time and to find maybe some peace with themselves. I can't think of anything more important in the world right now than, than the mission that you guys are on. And uh, it's been really, really fun chatting with you. Dan, ditto, man. I, I hope I hope we can do this again, uh, recorded or not, uh, sometime I, in the future. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, all right, question number five. When it's all said and done, when you're gone and all we have left to do is uh, have a couple beers by the campfire and talk about your legacy, what do you hope people are saying about you? <sighs> Damn, dude. Um, way to end on a on a heavy one. <laughs> You know, I <laughs> right now my hope most of all is that my kids and grandkids, my my son now, we don't have he's our only one, yeah. um, can look back and say more times than that. My dad was not as big of an asshole as he was. Uh <laughs> let me rephrase it. He, my dad was a good guy. Um yeah. he cared, even if he got angry, even if he, you know, wasn't around as much as we all would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a doubt that I love them deeply. Uh, and maybe bigger level is that, you know, I left, I left a little bit more good, um, behind than I took with me. Um, yeah. and that's, I think that's, uh, that would be enough. That's a life well lived. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool, Connor, man. I appreciate you so much. So much fun chatting with you. And uh, like you said, whether it's virtual or uh, in person, we'll, we'll have another beer soon. Look forward to it, Dan. Cheers, man. Thank you. Cheers Keep, to you. I can't wait to hear the interviews that are coming down the pike. And that's that for another episode of Camping Out. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to Connor speak. I am so grateful for both my buddy Nick Roberts and my friends at Afros and Nature for recommending that this conversation happens in the first place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As always, campers, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with one or two of the wonderful people in your life that you think would glean some wisdom from it. Also, share it on your social media pages and go ahead and tag me so I know that you're enjoying it. If you haven't already, one of the most helpful things that you can do today is leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way for others to find it and sit by the campfire with us. Check out the show notes to connect with Reset Outdoors and check out the other organizations that Connor mentioned near the end of the podcast. I am so grateful for you guys tuning in week after week. I love all of you beautiful people. And as always, remember, adventure comes to those who go.